Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about what it means to be an elder. And uh, so if you want to turn to Ezekiel chapter 34, I realize that may not be one of the ones that you're familiar with, uh, but that's where we're going to be starting today. Here we go, Ezekiel chapter 34. This morning, we're uh, talking about elders and shepherding. And so I, I want I realize that some of you are thinking this morning, I'm never going to be an elder. I don't want to be an elder. They're never going to take me as an elder, so I don't really have to listen. Uh, this morning, we're really talking about shepherding, and we're going to look at what God holds his shepherds to. And so even as you think about the roles that God has you in as husbands, as parents, as peers that others look to, I want to encourage you to get a picture in your mind of what it means to be a shepherd. I realize, too, that as we uh, begin this morning, that you all have different pictures of what it is to be an elder. In fact, um, I know that elders have failed you. Uh, maybe in this church, maybe in your previous church, maybe you know uh, situations of family members where elders have failed them. And um, I, I want to confess up front, and I don't just say this to uh, some false humility, is that we are not doing a good job uh, as elders here at Bear Valley Church. Um, I feel like we've made great progress, but the great progress that we have made has only revealed greater needs uh, in our midst and a really a paradigm shift in our hearts as we think about what it means to be an elder uh, in God's church. And so I want to say that up front. Um, it's true. It's true. I've seen it from the inside. I've seen it. I see it in my own heart. It's true. Uh, we need to grow in respect to being uh, the elders that God's word calls us to be. If you look in the book of uh, Ezekiel, I realize that uh, we're not often in the book of Ezekiel, uh, but there's a passage in here where God speaks to his shepherds. And as, uh, as you turn there, I, in just in preparation, I want to tell you, being an elder is a good thing. Even to want to be an elder is a good thing. Uh, as we look in the New Testament, in one of the intro verses to a list of things that identify, identify an elder, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says, He who aspires to be an elder is a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, we realize sometimes that uh, people go, oh, leadership in the church, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And they push it away and they go, oh, uh, I'd rather uh, just sit on the outside and criticize. Uh, I, I like that. That's a fun place to be. Uh, others, others seek for it. I want to tell you it's great to be an elder, but it is not good to be king, okay? Uh, I, I, I realize that some in their desire to have a position of elder, um, it's thought of as a position of power where they can somehow be over uh, and be king of the church. Um, when I was in middle school, uh, uh, junior high where I grew up, in seventh grade, uh, I ran for office. And, and maybe you've had a similar case where you've ran for office. And I ran to be one of the representatives for the seventh grade class. And um, so you get up there, you make a speech, and then you uh, they vote. And there were eight representatives 
from uh, the seventh grade class. And I did not get chosen to be one of them. Uh, I remember my uh, my neighbor saying that he was counting the ballots. And he says, oh, I think he was just trying to be nice to me. He said, you know, uh, on my list, you were number nine or ten. You were just right on the edge there. And I thought, oh, thanks. Uh, I wanted to have position. That has nothing to do with being an elder. Uh, if we look this morning and we see it's a position that is great to be in because there's some kind of power in it. Uh, You've missed the point of being an elder. And so this morning, as we look to God's word, uh, I want you to see what it is to be a shepherd. You know, the word shepherd, um, it's not synonymous in our world today with leader. Uh, it's not, you know, you're, you're a shepherd, you're a great leader. Now, we've talked about other words. We think of uh, some kind of coach. Oh, he's a great coach. He's a great leader. We think of politicians and we sometimes say, well, they inspire leadership. And so they get people to vote for them and they get opportunities of power. You think of business leaders. In fact, you even think of uh, boardrooms of businesses where men sit around uh, with the officers of a corporation and they make big decisions uh, and, and enjoy that place of prominence and power. But those pictures aren't synonymous with shepherd. And yet that's the word that God chose to use when he thought of leaders over his people. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 10, he gives us a picture of what it is uh, to shepherd over his people. This is God's view of leadership in his church. God's view of leadership over his people. The picture of what it is to truly be a shepherd like him. Let me read it for you. Uh, Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 10. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill, My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with no one to search and to seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep 
from their mouths that they may not be food for them. As we look at this here this morning, uh, we realize that those are harsh words. Uh, If you are wondering God's opinion or his judgment on the shepherds, it's clear, isn't it? He's displeased with them. And so one of the things that we need to ask is, what is it? What is he described the role of a shepherd and why, you know, really looking at our own situation, but also why is he displeased with them? The first thing I want to point out from this passage is who owns the sheep? Who owns the sheep? You think about that and uh, it's kind of an awkward thing because always when we look to the shepherd, we say, well, those that's the shepherd and those are his sheep. But as God is communicating uh, a prophecy of judgment upon the shepherds, he's saying, my sheep, my sheep, you've taken what is mine and you haven't taken care of it like I called you to, like is your job. And so I'm angry with you. And I think about this and I think about this shepherding role that he brings elders into, leaders in the church. And not even just within that role, but as a husband and wife relationship as well. You know, how how do people get married? It's kind of a complicated thing. When you think of it as a kid, you're going, uh, how, how do you find one? You know, how do you find one? You know, how does that all work? And you, you say, well, you know, uh, in our world today, you just kind of go through them until you find one that you like. You know, that's that's the picture, right? You just kind of, uh, this one won't do, you know, get rid of that one. And same thing, you kind of have this picture in your mind. And yet, as you realize, as you walk with the Lord, that God in his providence, in his plan, and his perfect will, he brings you together. And as he brings you together, he entrusts you to one another. And so if God has brought you together, guess what? This isn't your wife or your husband. This is the one that God has entrusted to you. And so it's a gift. It's a gift. You think about your children and how uh, they've been brought into your life. Well, how did that happen? How, how do you get kids and where do they come from and all those other questions? And how do you get this one instead of that one? And it gets all, think about it. It's the plan of God. He brings you children. He entrusts them with you, to you. And so there's a stewardship there. And so as we look at these opportunities to shepherd, we don't say, hey, this is my flock. I'll do with it what I want. These are my sheep. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter who thinks what. These are mine. This is my church. I'm the pastor, the senior pastor. Don't I get what I want? You think about that um, and you think about the attitude we might have in our home. You know, I'm the man of the house. I'm the parent. I get what I want. God says, you know, I, I bring to you and I'm angry with you because of my sheep, my sheep, they're mine. We look at that and so it makes these shepherds under shepherds. Uh, it was funny, I, I use that word all the time, under-shepherd. And Carolyn, we were looking over the bulletin, and she says, is that a real word? And I said, I don't know. All my friends use it, you know. Uh, under-shepherd. It's a middle manager, if you will, right? It's the idea that, that we are not the boss, we are under the boss. We have a boss. And one that we, holds us accountable 
the one that we need to answer to for our position. As you look at this passage, I want I want you to see this, that shepherding, shepherding is a privileged responsibility, okay? Responsible to God. There's this, uh, it's a privilege to be a shepherd that God doesn't look at it as some burden that he places on people, but he says it's a privilege. It's a privilege, but not a privilege without responsibility. It's not just something you get and you, you get a nice thing, but that you're accountable for that. And God says, you're accountable to me, uh, to no one else. Don't worry about public opinion. Worry about my opinion as you think of your job and your function as an elder. So as you look at this, we find some things in Ecclesiastes, really some things that he holds the shepherds accountable for. The first one is feeding the sheep, feeding the sheep. As you look at this passage, it's one of the big ones, and we'll even get into other passages as well, where it talks about the same principle. And it comes up over in this pas- over and over in this passage. He says, you feed yourselves, but the sheep are not fed. Shouldn't the sheep be fed? You think about this picture, and and we talked about this in the last couple of weeks, is that uh, the sheep, in our minds, the sheep should be for the shepherd. The sheep should be for the shepherd. And yet, as God calls his under-shepherds, he says to them, their food is first. Their feeding is primary. It's not that you shouldn't eat and starve, but you should not eat before they eat. They're they're most important. Your job as a shepherd is to see that they are fed. You look at that and you see um, a selfishness in the shepherds of Israel. That they were concerned with their own benefits and their own uh, feeding first. That they were primary in their own minds. And God held them, held that against them. He was not, uh, he says, yeah, it's okay, but just make sure. No, he held it against them. That they were concerned with their own feeding and not the feeding of the sheep. In a similar way, uh, he goes on, if you look down into verse 2, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? And then he says this, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Verse 4, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up. What he says there is this, that he says, in your midst, there are sheep that are weak and suffering and sick, And you're not doing anything about it. It's not just that there's a sense of mass feeding, that we're in a good pasture where there's good food and the sheep are fed, but not just that. He says this. He says, look, there's sick ones among you. You're not caring for them. You're not paying attention to them. You're not bringing them in and giving them care. You're letting them fend for themselves. You realize what it is to be sick, right? Uh, in your household, I hope someone's nice to you when you're sick. If you're a mom, you may not understand what this is like. No one's nice to moms when they're sick. It's hard to be nice to moms. It's just, it's just hard that, that function we just don't have. Got to work on it. 
There's a sense, you understand when you're sick, you can't keep up. You can't keep the pace. You, you need someone to attend to you. And he says, shepherds of Israel, my people. He says, there's sick people in your midst and you don't even care. You say, fine, if they can't eat, fend for themselves, they need to figure something out. He says, I hold this against you. You know what, leaders in the midst of God's people, guess what they're supposed to do? They're to attend to specific needs. When people are hurting, are sick, are weak, they give them special care and nurture, encouragement. They're to concern themselves with the health of the sheep. Not just that they're fed, but that they're healthy. He moves from there, and he's going to talk about this later, but he goes from feeding to health to gathering the sheep or even gathering the scattered. Um, If you look at verse 4 again, in the middle, he says, uh, and the injured you you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. You get this picture that, that, so you have the feeding of the sheep, you have concerning yourself with their health, the specific uh, sheep, their health and their well-being. But he also says, what about the strays? The other thing that I have against you is the scattered, the scattered you have not brought back. Um, you know, uh, Tehachapi is famous for this. Did you know that? You know, do you know that? The scattering of sheep. If you haven't been to five different churches in Tehachapi, you haven't been here that long. You know, and that's all those churches in town. You know, all those churches in town got all those problems. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We've scattered sheep as, as frequently as any other church I know. Okay? That's not right. That's not right. You know, there's a sense in which uh, from time to time, people will get angry with uh, the pastor. I can't imagine that, but uh, they get angry with the pastor or somebody else. And they come and they say, Pastor, I'm out of here. And as pastors, you know what we want to (laughs) do? Let me help you out the door and let me call the other pastors to know that you're coming, right? I'll give you a letter of recommendation. What's the picture of a shepherd? What's the picture? Scattered sheep we go after. Why? Because, listen to this, problems are not solved by switching flocks. Sicknesses are not cured. In fact, they spread most of the time. If you're struggling here, guess what? You're just going to take your problems down the road. If we're struggling here, you need to help us work through it. And so the, the idea of scattering it... and. Let me, let me be honest with you. It's not that big of a deal to switch church to church. And there's times and reasons to do that. But more importantly, and this breaks my heart, is that every time there's a problem in a church, every time the sheep are scattered for whatever reason, there's sheep that never come home. Never involved in a flock again. They never see themselves. See, I, I talk to people all the time and they say, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. My sins are forgiven. I'm pretty sure of that. But I, I just am not part of a church. I'm not part of a body. I, I don't need that. I got hurt once and I'm not going back there. And you know what I say? There's no picture of that in the New Testament. You look through the New Testament. Everyone was connected to a church. 
I know it's hard. I know it's hard. It's easier to live in a cave by yourself than with your husband, your uh, your wife, your kids, and a church, okay? It's just easier. It's just easier. You can just argue with yourself and talk to yourself, okay? Even there, there's problems. But, uh, but God has designed us. God has designed us to come to know Him and have our sins are forgiven and then be part of the body of Christ. So you know what? An elder's role and responsibility is to chase down sheep. To chase down sheep. And there's a, there's a process to that. It's uh, w- Once you find the sheep, you grab them and you shake them and you say, You stupid sheep! You know how long it's taken me to chase you down? Get, get back in there and, you know, kick him back in. No, that's not it at all. In fact, look at the l- next part. The next part. I wouldn't really do that. I just want to tell you that. Really, I wouldn't. I'll try not to, okay? Um, in the same passage, uh, end of verse 4, he calls them, he says, you, you ha- uh, the lost you have not sought. And then he says this, and with force and harshness, you ruled them. One of the things he had against them is that they treated the sheep poorly. It's the idea they they struck them with a rod just because in their anger. He yelled, they yelled at them. They, they poured more burdens on them. They scolded them and they were not tender with them. You see, the picture of a shepherd is nothing that we, we have really a picture of. It's the kindness. It's this, come here, sheep. Come on. Come on back here. This is the best place for you. And if they don't come, then you go closer and you say, come on, come on. There's some good food over here. And then you get on the other side and you kind of shoo them. You say, come on, back back in, back in. It's not this beating, yelling, uh, fearing thing. It's the idea of a tender love of a shepherd for a sheep. It's a calling and compelling and just driving. And my heart goes out and it calls them home. That's what it is to be a shepherd. And God looks at his shepherds of Israel and he says, look, you haven't done it. You haven't done it. You're harsh with them. You haven't chased after strays. You're not being the shepherd that I've called you to be. As you go on in this passage, um, you find out uh, this, that it says in verse 5, So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. There was no shepherd. And they became food for the wild beasts. I want to point out two things there. What's, what's the deal with a shepherd that's not there? He's not watching out for the sheep. Sheep need to be watched. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you, and I, I always want to connect this, marriages need to be watched. You, you speak husband to wife and and to watch over one another and to care for one another. Children need to be watched out for. You, you can't put the webcam on them and walk away. You know, I you know, I the baby monitors only can show you so much, right? They need your eyeballs. They need you as a shepherd watching over them. They need your discussion of saying, "Hey, what's going on?" and they say, "Oh, nothing." Your job is not done when they say nothing. It's to probe. It's to ask other questions. It's to care about them. It's to share your own life. Why? Because they're at risk. He says, you need to be watching. You're not watching. You're, you're not on duty. And then he shows the, 
the problem of not being on duty. Um, he says the safety of the sheep, the safety of the sheep. What happens? There is no shepherd in verse five, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered off over all the mountains and every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with no one to search and seek for them. He goes on to talk about how they become food again for wild beasts. I want you to get this. There's a certain um, godly paranoia that elders should have for their sheep. That they should be coming and saying, you know, I'm afraid for you now. I'm afraid of the things that you're doing. I'm afraid of how far you are from the fold. I'm afraid of how little you care for the things of God. Why? Because you're at risk. Because it's dangerous out there. Now, if I came to you and I said that, what would you say? I'm fine. I'm fine. I got it, I got it taken care of, Kevin. I, you know, this isn't my first rodeo, Okay been a Christian for a while now. I, you know, some people may need to be in the center. I got it taken care of. I'm doing all kinds of things at home. I, I don't need what, and, and I should say, but I'm afraid for you. And, and there should be a sense of like, ah, I got it taken care of. But for me, as a shepherd, there's a fear involved in there. There's a paranoia. Because why? Because I know that there are wild beasts out there ready to take you out. There, there's a sense of danger involved. You know, the sheep where, where they got scattered, they were in the hills and the rocks and they might have enjoyed the view and even found some interesting things to eat up there. And in the end, the wild beasts pounced on them and they were devoured and they go, it's too late, <laughs> right? So the shepherd, as he's watching, he's saying, look, look, I fear for you. I, I can, I'm concerned for your safety, concerned for it. This is the role, and this is the picture of the shepherd. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're just going to look at these two passages. This Ezekiel passage, and now 1 Peter. I realize I don't have a good, very cute outline today. I'm not really all that concerned. I'm just telling you I know. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. It's another passage, and I realize there are other passages on eldering. Uh, there's lists that identify who, who the man is supposed to be, and uh, we've gone over those from time to time. But I, as I think about what it is to be an elder and really the heart of it, uh, in the New Testament, I look at this passage in First Peter, and it tells us some overlapping themes as well as uh, some new words that will be helpful for us as we see our role. He says this in verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. As you look at that passage, I see uh, a couple of things. He calls them to shepherd. He says, shepherd or watch out for those among you. Watch out for those among you. 
Um, I want to talk to you just briefly about this, that who God has called you to shepherd are those who you are around. Uh, if you're an elder in the church, he's called you to shepherd your wife, your children, your family right here, your, your the flock right here. Uh, the reason I point that out, I, I realize it sounds pretty obvious, but it's not obvious. Um, in our technological age, we get news from around the world. We get all kinds of things that are going on. Uh, we hear about different things in different lands. We hear about um, through social media. We hear about what's going on with uh, your your cousins, 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 aunt, best friend's neighbor. We hear about those type people. And what I want to uh, focus you in on, it's not that we should bury our head in the sand and say, we're the only ones that matter. But he calls them to shepherd the flock that is among them. To take care of the ones that God has entrusted to you. And in a family relationship, sometimes we struggle with this. We're hopping on the computer. We're on the phone. We're reading the news. We're listening to what's going on in the world. And we, you know, our heart is burdened. Man, we're just so, so heartache of what's going on. We hear of things that are going on in the world and, you know, it breaks our heart. We hear of sickness and sadness and our hearts are broken and crushed. And we don't care about our wife and our children. We have people right here that we don't care at all uh, what's going on in their life because we're so overwhelmed what's happening in the world. I want to tell you, we have a first priority for the home. Elders, uh, there's a lot going on. We're paid. We're paid. We'll get to the payment in a bit. But but what our role is, is with God's people right here. It's easy to get wound up in things in the spotlight. But God has called us to shepherd one another right here. I realize that some of this uh, is going to be a struggle for us to implement and to really functionally do but I also don't want to uh, sidestep the holy word of God that's eternal just because uh, we don't understand how to do it. He says, watch them to shepherd them. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Uh, exercising oversight, the idea of watching them. He says, not under compulsion, but willingly. Willingly. Well, uh, elders are supposed to do this willingly. This is supposed to be something that they, they willingly participate. Uh, the idea of compulsion is having some extra pressure out there. Um, that, you know, there's a certain amount of embarrassment uh, if you don't do your job well. And you say, oh, what will people think of me if I don't do this well? Or maybe uh, uh, if, I, if I'm not there, somebody will talk. Or maybe I'll disappoint my mom or my dad. Uh, or I don't know what else would be compelling, your own reputation or the way people think of you. And he says, no, don't be compelled by that. Don't be compelled by those outward things. But rather what? He says, do it willingly. And I think it's interesting. He says, do it willingly. Um, not not under compulsion, but uh, willingly. 
as God would have you do. You know what's interesting? Uh, the difference between being the pressured by the stuff around us in our own heart is that when God calls us to do something, he calls us to do it out of our relationship with him. It is because of God. You know, you know why an elder should want to be an elder? Because of his relationship with God. That God has done so much for him that he's so thrilled with being part of the church that he loves his position in Christ, not in the church, that he wants others to experience the health and benefits within the body of Christ, to do it willingly. Uh, also, um, not just willingly, uh, but he says this in verse 9. I'm sorry, that's not verse 9. Um, there's a footnote. Um, sorry. As he goes on, uh, end of verse um, 2, he says this, but willingly, as God would have you do, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Shameful gain. One of the great motivators in our world today is money, right? Some of you aren't agreeing with me. Would you go to your job if they didn't pay you? No. Most of you would not. At least not for long, you know. Uh, the, there's a sense of that within the body of Christ, too. I want to tell you. There are some, and at times, they, people are, are motivated by money or something else or so, some other benefit that comes from shepherding. And he says, I don't want you to be motivated by some other gain but I want you to be thrilled with the opportunity to eagerly go about it. I just love being a part of what God is doing. Not for shameful gain, but eager to do what God has called me to do. As he goes on, he describes one uh, huge thing that is kind of fearful for me. He says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering, over those in your charge. That, that that was talked about in Ezekiel, right? Not that same idea of just grabbing hold of power and throttling people. But he says, but by being examples to the flock. By being examples to the flock. It's a fearful thing, I'll tell you. As an elder uh, of this church, uh, I want to tell you that God has us in a role where we say, Oh, you want to know about what it is to follow Christ? Well, then just follow me. Just follow me. Um, it's at this point in my message, as I look at my notes, and even as I preached first service, I want to say, but, but I'm not perfect. But I'm not perfect. And I always realize that's a ridiculous thing to say. Because you all know that. <laughs> You could point to times and, and things that I've said and things that I've done that, that I've offended you. It, it, you've seen me sin in my pride and selfishness and you go, that's funny that he would even suggest that he's even close to perfect. So what is it? What is this an example of? And I'll tell you, it's real simple. Is that uh, saved by the blood of the Lamb... We're saved. We're, we're, we've been changed by the gospel. We understand his word. We understand his word. And we walk with him. We walk with him. That we struggle through life. And when we sin, we, we go back and we, we admit it. We're humbled. And then we 
We walk with the Lord through those things. And and what this example is, it's not an example of perfection. It's an example of walking with the Lord. Of, of following after Him. Of leading others to say, this is the way we do this. This morning, as you think about uh, the elder process, undoubtedly some of you are doing this. You're going, ah, haven't seen that here. <laughs> haven't seen that here. You know, that heart. Boy, you know, I could point to situations where the elders have failed. And I, 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 I want to tell you, I beat you to it. I beat you to it. I already know. It's not like I know all the elders and how they, we've all failed. But I know that we're failures. But the point here is this. That we answer. Elders answer to God. We answer to God. And that we have a responsibility and it's a, it's a, it's pretty difficult as we look, especially at the Ezekiel passage, but also the first Peter ones and the other ones. But we see that and we say, God, I need your grace. I need your grace and your mercy. As you look at this passage, um, there is a payment involved. Um, it's not a financial one, but as you look down at uh, verse 4, it says this, and when the chief shepherd appears, that's where I get under shepherds, by the way, because there's a chief shepherd and then everyone else is somehow under that. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There's a reward um, that is not in monetary stuff down here, but it is with him in glory. I want to tell you that we all need help. We, we all need a better picture of what it is to be a shepherd. And as an elder here of this church, uh, we're seeking to bring our thoughts in line with his own. Uh, leaving those other corporate leadership models behind and seeking to be shepherds uh, that follow after the good shepherd. I trust that um, you'll see that more here as God works in us, as well as see it in your own shepherding roles in your homes uh, and out in the community. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for gathering your people here today. And I pray that you would raise up in this church and make us elders that follow in your example of the Good Shepherd. God, teach us to do that. Reveal to us where we are failing. God, I thank you and praise you for your grace that covers us. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.